0: Hello, this is Chuck Robertson. On today's podcast, it's my honor to share with you an interview I had with Christian recording artist Joseph Habedank. Joseph is a multi-award winning and Dove Award nominated singer-songwriter. For 10 years, Joseph served as the baritone singer and then as lead singer for one of Southern Gospel's favorite family groups, the Perrys. As a songwriter, he has helped write two nationally charted number one songs, and in 2010, the song, If You Knew Him, co-written with Rodney Griffin, was nominated for Southern Gospel Song of the Year at the GMA Dove Awards, and won the Singing News Fan Award for Song of the Year. He was also nominated for Singing News Magazine's Male Vocalist of the Year, Lead Singer of the Year, and Songwriter of the Year for three consecutive years. Joseph currently resides outside of Nashville, Tennessee, with his wife, Lindsay. But amongst all the success, Joseph went through a dark period in his life as he struggled with drug addiction. In this podcast, we'll talk about his delivery from that addiction and his current music career. So here's my interview with Dave Wynn recording artist, Mr. Joseph Habedank. So Joseph, thanks for being on my podcast today.
1: Well, man, thank you so much for having me. I am honored to do it, and uh, it's great to hear from you.
0: So it's been a while since we connected, but uh, I had went out to your website here just a few days ago and was looking over, checking out some of your new music and all, and something caught my eye you had written on there. It says, Most Memorable Meeting, Jesus, August thirtieth, 1990. So tell us about that meeting. Tell us about that experience.
1: Well, interestingly enough, um, I don't know when this will air, but we are recording this on August 30th, 2016, so 26 years ago today, I uh, accepted Christ. I was a four-year-old little boy, and my granddad was uh, a preacher, and we had been in a camp meeting in Dayton, Ohio at the Charity Baptist Church, and I was raised in a a small independent baptist church there and uh, i can remember uh on the way home from church my papa asked or before we went home from church he asked my mom if if i could ride with him and she said yeah of course you know we were going to his house anyway and we got in the car and he started uh, walking me through uh the salvation you know how to accept christ and uh boy i tell you what we got back to his his little, uh, condo there just outside of Dayton, Ohio. And one of one of the most memorable things that he did was he put me in his walk-in closet and it was very dark in there. And I can remember him closing the door and I was on the inside and he was on the outside and he made it very relatable for a child. And what he did was he knocked on the door and it was dark where I was. So it was kind of like being, uh, like how we are when we're in sin, we're, we're trapped in the darkness. And I remember him knocking on the door. And when I opened the door, the, the, uh, walk in closet door, he basically said, it's as easy as that. Jesus is knocking on your, your heart's door. He wants you to let him in, Wow, let him in to the darkness so that there can be light. And so I can remember kneeling down, um, just four years old. And it was so real to me. Obviously, I still remember that day very well, but it was so real to me that as a four-year-old little boy, I was uh, emotional. I started to cry when I got saved, and, oh, man, it was just an amazing experience. And I can remember this amazingly jo- jovial feeling as just a four-year-old little boy. I can remember I had this big, big T-shirt that I was going to wear to bed that night. I can remember swirling around in circles as a four-year-old little boy and just being so happy. Uh, being able to accept Christ at a young age, and I'm so grateful for that. And I'm really grateful that, that the Lord can save whoever is willing to call on His name. And uh, I'm so grateful for that. But it was definitely the most memorable meeting I've ever had.
0: Yeah, I can. Uh, that is a great story. And you know, the the blessing about it is that it happened at such a young age. Um, we have a couple in our church. That they were in their, I believe, 70s before they got saved, and they're faithful members today. Uh, they work in the church, but they think back of all those years they missed out serving God.
1: Yeah, but, boy, it's tough.
0: Yeah, but the nice or the great thing about it is, it doesn't matter if you're four years four years old or 104 years old if God's knocking at your door, he's ready and willing to save you. And that's, that's what's awesome about it.
1: That's exactly right. And I'm very thankful for uh, being saved at a young age. And uh, I'm just grateful for my granddad that he took the initiative to tell me about Jesus. And even though I had heard about Jesus, you know, my whole life I've raised in church and, you know, we were one of these families that not only went to church on Sunday morning, we went every time the doors were open, literally. And, uh, Oh, you know, I'm just grateful for that heritage.
0: Absolutely. So, for the people listening to my podcast that may not know you very well, uh, you are a singer songwriter. You're a uh, a Christian artist. Give us a little bit of your history, sort of, you know, when and how you got started in gospel music, and you know, maybe even tell us of, uh, some of the the people, the groups you've sung with. You know, just give us a little bit a little bit of your background.
1: Well, I started singing with my family when I was five years old. I was just a little boy, and me and my brothers would sing. And then as I got older, um, I was about 16, 15 or 16, and my family had stopped singing. And I, I always loved singing. I knew that's what I wanted to do. I knew that's what I was called to do, more importantly. So I started singing out of my own. I, I I still don't know why my mom let me do this, but I had a 1994 Chevy Camaro that I bought, and she would let me drive to churches and. You know, West Virginia, uh, and I was from Ohio, and of course Ohio, and Indiana, and uh, uh, all over the place. I mean, Virginia, all kinds of places, and she would let me travel. And then I, I ended up doing a talent contest at the Crab family's homecoming, and I ended up winning that talent contest. And the prize was that you got to make a CD at Daywind Records, which is now my record company. It's who I've been with since I was 17 years old. And uh, so I I sang, I did that album. And then uh, the Perry's were introduced to my album when they were looking for a baritone singer back in 2003 and asked me to come try out. And of course I joined them in 2003 and was with them for 10 years. And then in 2000, December of 2013, uh, almost three years ago, I started the solo ministry and, uh, and it's just been an amazing experience. It's been a great journey and I'm so grateful for, what the lord has done in my life and what he's doing in our ministry.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I remember back when you were when you started with the Perrys, you like you said you were their baritone singer, and then after a the, uh, period of time, you moved up to the lead position when their uh, lead had uh uh, you know, changed careers. Tell us what is what was it like sort of traveling with the Perrys and and, and those what was it a 10-year period? Sort of what was that like?
1: Yeah, it was a 10-year period. And Like you said, I had started out singing baritone. And when Lauren Harris came off the road in, I believe it was 2005 or 2006, I'd only been there two or three years, Tracy came to me and asked me if I wanted to sing lead. And to be honest with you, I, I had always considered myself a baritone singer. I didn't think I was good enough to sing lead. And so I told him no. And then we tried out a lead singer. Uh, he came on the road with us one weekend, and I'll never forget. We were in uh, Boone, North Carolina, and in Asheville, North Carolina. And I had a buddy of mine come up to me after the first date, and he said, "You know, I don't, I don't really have a dog in the hunt, so to speak." But he said, "I, I feel like you're the next lead singer for this group." And I can remember walking off stage, and and uh, the Lord telling me, "You can do that." And that was that was exactly all he said. You can do that meaning you wow. can sing lead, you know, and that was as easy, and it was honestly, it changed the rest of my career with them, I and mean, that's when things really started uh, kind of taking off for me personally, and the Lord began to bless us with a little bit of success, and, and uh, some individual success even, and I, I'm so grateful that, you know, even though it was uncomfortable, and I, I took a lot of heat from critics, uh, that was back when the blogs were real popular, and everybody would Get on the blogs, and they would tell you how, exactly how they felt. And I took a lot of heat for it because I definitely wasn't a Lauren Harris. Lauren Harris was one of the most uh, acclaimed lead singers in gospel music at the time, and so a lot of right. people were really hesitant. But God used it in my life to humble me and to uh, lead me kind of in the in, in the way I should go. And it, boy, it's been a it's been a great journey. It was awesome to travel with them. I, I'll never I would never trade it for anything in the world. I learned so much. And I'm so grateful that uh, Tracy and Libby took a chance on me when I was just 17 years old, and uh, it was just a great experience. And I loved my time there.
0: Awesome. I was listening. I don't know. This was a few weeks back. I was. I, I think a, you have a video out on your website that talks about um, some issues that sort of came up in your life, and we want to touch on that with a bit, just for a bit. And and I believe it was during your time that you were with the Perrys you became addicted to prescription drugs while you right. were being treated for a stomach ulcer and of course your story goes on that you ended up in drug rehab and that all tell us tell us that story and you know sort of what happened there and how God delivered you from that
1: well, and I'm glad you asked. I, I always uh, love sharing my story because of uh, even though it's a tough, it was a tough time in my life. I always say it was the worst thing that ever happened to me and the best thing that ever happened to me. I grew up in a great Christian home, but I grew up around addiction. I had a brother who was addicted to drugs at an early age, and uh, I was one of these people that absolutely hated addiction. But I had a single mom who uh, consistently leaned on me as the oldest sibling to kind of hold things together. And I can remember one night she called me about my middle brother, Nate, and I always knew it was uh, not good if she called me real late at night. And I can remember being up real late one night and I got down and started praying after she had told me what was going on with him. I remember she asked me if I would pray and I got down on my knees and I prayed the most arrogant prayer that I've ever prayed. And I I asked God to take my brother's addiction away and give it to me. And, uh, was that an unwise thing to do, but it was a very arrogant thing to do, because I honestly thought in my mind that I could handle uh, the drug addiction better than he could, and uh, that I could hold it together. Well, I don't believe that God gives people addiction, but I do believe that God allows things to happen in his sovereignty to draw us closer to him, and it wasn't too long after that that I actually had a an ulcer on the back of my throat. It actually wasn't Uh, in my stomach is on the back of my throat and it had abscessed into my face and my jaw and my ear, worst pain I'd ever been in. And I was introduced to prescription narcotics uh, during that time. And I never forgot the way they made me feel. The devil really uh, played with my mind and told me, you know, this is what you've been missing your whole life. You're this scared, insecure kid from a broken home. And there's a pill that makes normal people feel abnormal, but it makes you feel normal. And, uh, and it was kind of the devil saying, this is what you've been missing. You need this. You've got to have this to be able to, it'll help you sing better. It'll help you write better songs. Uh, it'll help you pass the time when you're on the road. Cause it just makes you feel so good about everything in life. But just like with any sin, uh, there, it is a slippery slope and that can come back to bite you. And so I ended up getting, uh, obviously addicted to those drugs and I was taken anywhere from 10 to 12 hydrocodone or oxycodone every day of my life wow and i can remember uh, the low point for me in 2013 it was in may 2013 when uh tracy and libby or, or libby came to me and and she had, it had been brought to her attention that i had this problem and she kind of knew they'd given me several chances they knew i was struggling with the substance abuse and they were very gracious and giving me uh, numerous chances but uh, finally it came down to tracy got sick and when Tracy got sick, um, I, I just kind of went downhill, uh, it, even worse into my addiction. and It ended up coming out and she came to me and, and was very gracious and just said, Hey, you know, we can't have you on the road, uh, because of the drugs that you're using. What would you like to do? And they allowed me to resign. And I ended up checking into a, a rehab facility here, just outside of Nashville called Cumberland Heights. And, uh, The Lord really used that in my life, and I started reading my Bible every night, which I hadn't been doing. I started praying every night, and I can remember reading a lot about David and uh, David's story of, you know, I could really relate with David because he was a singer and he was a songwriter, and man, had he messed up. And the Bible still says that he was a man after God's own heart. And uh, I, I had trouble reconciling that statement of that reality in my mind. I didn't understand how a murderer and an adulterer could be a man after God's own heart. Uh, but it, the Lord spoke to me and said, you know, it's not that David fell. It's what he did when he got up. And um, and all of a sudden I, I thought, well, if he can fix David, surely he can fix me. If he can heal Absolutely. David, surely he can heal me. And that's that's been 1,192 days ago that I've been off of all prescription drugs. And uh, I still keep up with it. It's been uh, almost three and a half years. And I would not have the ministry that I have today had I not walked through that darkest time of my life, but the best thing that ever happened to me, it really put life into perspective. And it's helped me relate with my brother, who unfortunately still struggles with addiction to this day. So uh, it, it was an uh, it was an amazing journey. And uh, I had a great wife, uh, I have a great wife named Lindsay, who stuck with me, and uh, now she travels everywhere with me. And, uh, boy, she's just been an, a rock through all of it and has learned about addiction and how to combat the uh in the future, obviously, you know, we have to look down the road and say, you know, what happens when, when, uh, I have to have surgery of some sort. And it's just one of those things where you're just going to have to suffer through it because one, one pill can set you back. So it's been an, it's been just a great, great process. And God has been so real to me and been so gracious to me to allow me to not only, uh, get through the addiction, but to have a new ministry now where we help other addicts and alcoholics in the church and, and outside the church as well.
0: Yeah, that's that's awesome. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting when we think of addiction, you know, we normally think of like the hard drugs, you know, cocaine or heroin or, you know, right. crack or something like that. But I, I think, and you probably can attest to this, that there's probably more of the prescription drug addictions going on that we're really not even aware of, and and especially within the Christian circles.
1: Yeah, because it's so easily justifiable. Not only is it illegal, it is a legal drug, but you're getting it from a licensed professional, a doctor, who is saying to you, you know, yeah, I'll give you this. And eventually, you know, not all doctors are obviously bad, but there are some who just don't know when to cut cut it off and what happens is we justify it as Christians in our mind because it is a legal drug and we just think well that's okay and then we ended up uh, we end up getting hooked on them and it becomes a stronghold and an addiction in our life and so it is definitely uh as I said earlier a slippery slippery slope and something that I would urge people to be careful with any sort of prescription drugs can be very uh, Dangerous, especially the uh, narcotics and controlled substances.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, when you're, uh, what's then your message uh, to sort of try to steer people away from going down that slippery slope? Um, how do you counsel people on that?
1: Well, unfortunately, I usually I usually uh, am confronted by people who are already stuck in it and um what i would say to somebody who has not been stuck in it be careful if it runs in your family a lot of, there's a lot of great christian people who who don't necessarily believe that it's genetic however sin is genetic so you know we 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 got it all the way from adam so
0: absolutely
1: if, if it runs in your family if you have an alcoholic grandfather if you have a dad who struggled with uh, any sort of addiction or alcoholism i would be very careful with uh, any sort of controlled substance. And then for somebody who is stuck in it, I would say, talk to somebody about it. You know, right. you'll never know, you'll never be able to get help until you ask. And, uh, right. it can be very embarrassing. It is a very, uh, it is the most embarrassing and shameful thing. Even in the church circle, we've got great programs now like reformers unanimous and, uh, celebrate recovery and things like that. However, it is still kind of taboo in the church. And so I would say, please do not be discouraged uh, by uh, not wanting to talk to someone about it, because, again, you'll never be able to get help until you ask for it.
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, and, and I think, too, and, and I'll sort of relate my own story here to you, that we don't pray enough for our children that, that they— um that that path, you know, that that they don't go down that path. You know, I remember my mom telling me after I was grown, she told me, she says, son, I prayed all the time that God would make things like alcohol and beer. You know, that was the big things back in my day and and tobacco. She said, I prayed that God would make those things bitter to your taste and where you just couldn't stand the taste of it. And you know, I don't I don't know if that's what it was. I'm gonna give God the glory for it. But you know, as a young teenager, you know, going out trying some of that stuff, that's exactly what it was for me. Beer and alcohol had such a bitter, wow. nasty taste, I just never I never could get over that. And same with tobacco. It it just so, you know, I just thank mom for a prayer like that. And, you know, I'm, I'm I'm thinking maybe that's the kind of prayers we should have as adults for our children today. Make that stuff so repulsive and bitter to them that they just don't want to even get into it, you know. I, I, I believe that's what God did for me, so, um, you know, I'm thankful for thing, that.
1: Another thing that I would encourage parents to do is if you have somebody has surgery or has some sort of... Injury, and they are prescribed prescription drugs. When you are done with those drugs, uh, it's always good to either get rid of them or to lock them up somewhere, because you don't want your. You know, now you've got a lot of teenagers that are going through their parents' um, medicine cabinets just to kind mm-hmm. of experiment with drugs, and it's a very, uh, a very dangerous thing. So that's another big thing, and obviously the prayer aspect is huge. I mean. The, the, the prayer that uh, we need to have for our children is uh, we've got to take our children's ba- our children back from drugs and alcohol because it has absolutely uh, inundated our our kids and in our churches and uh, everywhere our schools yeah. uh, and so uh, it, it's definitely we have to combat this with prayer and we have to talk about it even when it's not uh, comfortable to talk about It's the most important thing to communicate about these things and uh, just to allow God to work through our communication.
0: Yes, absolutely right. So um, not only are you a a gifted singer, but you're also a songwriter as well. So we'll sort of transition here just a little bit. So I know you've uh, written a lot of the songs that are on uh, your Welcome Home album and so forth. Tell us a little bit about the writing experience you know where you get your inspiration from you know is it from life experiences i'm sure probably going through this uh dark time of addiction sort of gave you some things to write about tell us a little bit about that writing experience
1: yeah obviously the first album was a little easier to write for uh, well i say easier it was easier to get ideas for songs because of the place that i was in and my whole album my first album kind of has a common thread through it, and the second album that I'm working on now, it was a little more difficult because uh, I didn't. I, I was in a great place, uh, uh, not to say that I'm I'm perfect by any means, but I felt like I was in such a better place in life, an exciting place in life, where I've got this new ministry and the Lord's blessing, and so it was a little harder to find uh, the inspiration for those songs. But obviously, uh, the Bible and preachers. And uh, I find a lot of my inspiration listening even to other music um, and in conversation with people. I get ideas. Somebody will say something and I'll get an idea that way. I think it's the possibilities are endless when it comes to finding inspiration. God can, if the Lord can use a donkey, you know, he can use anything to inspire. <laughs> and uh, so I'm really grateful for, you know, uh, the inspiration that I've been given. And I do feel like, even though it's taken some work and it's taken me listening closer to the Lord. I do feel like these songs for this next album that I'm getting ready to work on is uh, is coming along nicely, and, and it could even be better than the last one. So I'm excited about that.
0: Excellent. Now, you've got a new uh, single out, I believe, called Big Enough, and is that one from your Welcome Home album, I believe?
1: It is, yes, sir. It is the fourth single off of Welcome Home.
0: So uh, tell us a little of that story. How did Big Enough come about? I'm curious.
1: I was at a uh, a songwriting conference I was teaching at. I do it every year. It's called Write About Jesus, and it's in St. Louis, and it's for uh, people who are aspiring Christian songwriters. And uh, I met a guy named Michael Farron who has uh, written amazing songs throughout the years. Some of the songs that people might know are uh, Pray Now by Karen Peck and New River, uh, Finish Well, which is also Karen Peck. Uh, if you've heard my song, The Beauty of the Blood, uh, he yeah, helped absolute, write matter that. Yeah, fact.
0: I have the, uh, the soundtrack and, and been, uh, trying to learn to sing it a little bit. I love that song.
1: Oh, great. Thank you so much. And then he actually wrote uh, welcome home, the title track. And then of course, big enough. And anyway, I met him and, uh, we, we sat down to write for the first time. And, uh, he, he, he kind of had heard my story and he said, you know, I feel like God needs to be amplified in this song, and we need to talk about just how big God is, because a lot of people don't really realize it's hard to believe that God is bigger than things like addiction. And I love what the chorus says of the song is, When it seems, it can't be done. I know God is big enough. I can run the race. I'm called to run, because I know God is big enough. And all of that was written uh, pretty much for my story. And uh, so I'm so excited about this song. I hope it will encourage people, not just with uh, addictions, but anything that you're facing in life that may seem like an insurmountable mountain in your life. God is bigger, and He is big enough, no matter what the cir- circumstance or situation is.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So you mentioned earlier, you you have a solo career now. Um, any plans maybe down the road to... Join a quartet, or maybe start your own group, or I don't know if your wife Lindsay, if she sings any, um, any any plans that direction?
1: She does sing, and you know what? Um, honestly, no. And and the reason why is that I had the record company Daywind actually wanted me really badly to start a group uh, when I first came back uh, to gospel music, and. Um, I prayed, and I, w- I would have loved to. I thought it would have been a lot of fun. Obviously, groups are much more accepted in gospel music and even in the church sometimes, and so I prayed about it, and I tell you what, the more we prayed about it, we just could not get peace about it, and and even Lindsay, my wife and I, prayed about starting uh, something together, and, and she just did not have it. She just did not have peace about it. didn't feel like it was the right thing, and we kept praying, and we thought, well, maybe a trio, and no, it just doesn't feel right, and and a court to, and honestly, what I'm doing now, uh, I am as happy as I've ever been. I feel like I'm in the perfect, uh, and I feel like I'm in the center of God's will regarding uh, my ministry and what I'm supposed to be doing, and that's spreading, kind of spreading not only the good news of the gospel, but raising awareness about addiction and those type of things. And I tell you what, what I'm doing now is just uh, as much fun and as as fulfilling as anything I've ever done, so as of right now, I am very happy being a solo artist and I, and I, I know that may disappoint some people, but at the same time i am uh, I have to follow kind of what I feel like the lord wants for for my life and this is definitely what I feel like he is uh, the season he has put us in right now and and I, and I don't see that changing anytime soon but then again God always has uh God always has his own plans, so ultimately what he wants we will do.
0: Absolutely. So, how many dates are you doing a year now? Are you are you staying pretty busy as a solo artist?
1: Yes, in fact, we are. As uh, we're we're a little too busy these days. Uh, we work about a hundred and fifty days a year, and um, um, this summer has been crazy. We're only home, you know, two three days a week. It seems like uh, this summer. So uh, we are as busy as we'd like to be, and maybe a a little busier than we'd like to be so god is blessing i have trouble saying i'm not i'm kind of a people pleaser and i have trouble saying no so so uh so i do just about anything anybody asks me as far as singing and i would hate to turn down an opportunity to to share what the lord has done in my life and and hopefully to help other people so we're staying very busy and and loving it
0: good good so as we're wrapping up our time here, tell the folks uh, where they can find out more about your your music, your ministry. I know you have a website if you want to give that address.
1: Yes, it is josephhabedank.com. And for those of you uh, that can't spell it, it's a little tricky, so I'll help you. It's obviously Joseph, which is J-O-S-E-P-H, and then Habedank, which is the tricky part. It is H-A-B-E-D-A-N-K. So that's H-A, like ha and B-E-D, like a bed, and A-N-K. So, josephhabedank.com, um has all our music on there. It has some videos about my testimony. It's got some videos of me singing. It's got our schedule on there. It's got an online store where you can purchase CDs and uh, T-shirts and uh, all kinds of things like that. And then uh, you can keep up with us on Facebook or Twitter, Instagram, all of those things. Just search my name, and you should bet. There's not many Joseph habitanks in the world. <laughs> I think there's only a couple of us. So, uh, it shouldn't be hard to find, and uh, so please keep up with us and come see us out on the road. Uh, again, we're we're very busy. We've been all the way to Canada and California and Florida and up to New York City and Connecticut and Vermont, New Hampshire, and, of course, all the southern states, and it seems like we've been everywhere. So uh, we will probably be coming to your area uh, if you'll go to our website, and we'd love to see you out on the road.
0: Wonderful. Well, Joseph, I want to thank you again for uh... – being part of my podcast today, you know, I, I feel your testimony is just going to really help someone out there. Because as I said earlier, I think this this issue with addiction to like prescription drugs is probably more prevalent than what we realize it is. And, you know, if yeah. your testimony just helps one person, then, you know, that's something to really thank God about. So.
1: That's exactly right, and thank you for giving me the opportunity to share it. If anybody's listening who is struggling, please know that uh, Jesus loves you, and and, uh, He died on the cross so that you could be forgiven from things like addiction, and and Jesus still loves you, and uh, there's even great Christian people out there who will welcome you in and take you in and love you through it. So please talk to someone and know that God loves you, and I love you too, and uh, we're praying for you.
0: Wonderful. All right, Joseph, thanks again. I truly appreciate it.
1: You bet, anytime.
0: So I hope you enjoyed the interview with Christian recording artist, Joseph Haberdank. Again, to find out more about his music, visit his website at josephaberdank.com. This is Chuck Robertson, and thanks for listening.